You're listening to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks very much for tuning in. The redacted version of the Mueller Report is out there and available for public consumption. And of course, we have spent almost 24 hours now listening to lots of people pour over it and give their sense of what it means, what it says, and what we should be expecting going forward. The report, of course, is much more damning than the four-page summary that Attorney General William Barr released last month. And now there are also questions about whether Robert Mueller might go to Congress and talk himself about the things that he looked into and the findings that he made. We're joined now by Barb McQuaid, a law professor at the University of Michigan and former U.S. attorney for the Eastern District of Michigan, to talk more about what we learned yesterday and what we might expect in the weeks ahead. Barb, welcome back to Detroit Today. Thanks, Stephen. Glad to be on the show and glad to learn about Valerie Jarrett in Ann Arbor on Monday. I oh, yeah, to that. right. Uh, it's right around the corner from you, I bet. It <laughs> is. Um, so let's start with your big takeaways from this report. What do you think we learned yesterday when well, they released it? First, we, uh, and I think it's important to acknowledge this, uh, it is the case that Robert Mueller concluded that there was no conspiracy to in- interfere with the election between Russia and the Trump campaign. I've always said that I have such regard to Rob, for Robert Mueller as an investigator and such high regard for his integrity that uh, when he reaches his conclusion, I will accept and respect that conclusion. And I do. And I think his report demonstrates that that faith was well-placed, that it's a meticulous, painstaking accounting of all the facts um, leading to that conclusion. Now, that's not to say that uh, what happened was a a clean bill of health, he did find that Russia offered and provided assistance and that the Trump campaign was only too willing to take it, just that there was not a meeting of the mind sufficient to establish a conspiracy. In fact, some of the legal analysis is blacked out, and it appears that there was some coordination with WikiLeaks, hmm. um, though not to steal the emails, only to disseminate them. So that's the first point on conspiracy. With regard to obstruction of justice, that's a little more complicated. There's, I think, something like 10 very specific episodes of President Trump directing people to lie, lying to the public, uh, you know, firing and pressuring Jim Comey to stop the investigation, and a number of other things that I think could amount to obstruction of justice. But what Robert Mueller says is, because a sitting president under DOJ policy cannot be indicted, we do not reach a traditional prosecutorial decision. And so while we do not conclude that a crime was committed, we also do not exonerate President Trump. And so these tweets about total exoneration are, are absolutely not the case. And he suggests that he leaves for others to decide whether there should be any further action. So mm-hmm. Congress could take it up as a matter of impeachment or the other interesting thing. And then he says that he wants to preserve all this evidence uh, because while it's fresh, there is, I think, a suggestion that once President Trump is out of office, others could decide to prosecute him at that time. And so I think that piece of the report, in some ways, is more interesting than the other. I'm talking to Barb McQuaid, the former U.S. attorney for the Eastern District of Michigan, now a law professor at University of Michigan, about the release of the redacted version of the Mueller report yesterday, what we've learned from it and what we might expect going forward. If you want to join the conversation, call and tell us what you think 
of this report. Was there anything in it that surprised you? Do you think the president is essentially exonerated from claims that he colluded or conspired with Russians by the report? Do you think he is exonerated of obstruction of justice, which was another huge allegation that had been made? And Tell us what you think should happen from here. What do you think Congress should do with this report? What do you think other uh, prosecutors at the state level might want to do with this report? Are you ready to keep talking about uh, collusion and Russians and obstruction going into the 2020 election? Or do you think it's time to put all this behind us and talk about some other things. As always, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work you into the conversation. Uh, Barb, yesterday you tweeted, uh, quote, Barr's parroting of Trump's talking point about collusion does not instill confidence in his independence as the attorney general for the people. A lot of people yesterday talking about the role that William Barr is playing here, comparing him in many ways to attorneys general of the Nixon era, where we saw them kind of uh, cross that line, I guess, uh, between uh, advocating on behalf of the Constitution and the people and advocating on behalf of the president. Do you think William Barr has done serious damage to the credibility of the office? I do. I, you know, it's certainly to his own reputation, and I hope that the credibility to the office can be restored. But you know, he could have handled it substantively in the same way, but done it in, in such a better manner um, as to instill some confidence. Number one, where was Robert Mueller? He should have been standing there with him. Instead of just uh, his, his two deputies, he should have had Robert Mueller there so that you know, people understood from that visual that Robert Mueller was fully on board with this. Does it mean Robert Mueller's not fully on board with this? So that was number one. But to talk about collusion, he used that word at least four times that I counted. And as, as Robert Mueller says in his report, you know, collusion's not really a legal term. I know some press accounts have talked about it in that way. President Trump has talked about it in that way. But what we talk about as lawyers is conspiracy, and that's what we analyze, and that's what this report is all about. And the evidence did not establish conspiracy. It's a very different thing from saying there was no collusion. Hmm. Um, one, using the terminology, but also failure to establish does not mean there was none. And in fact, there's even a sentence in the report that says exactly that. And so for Barr to stand there and say repeatedly, there was no collusion, uh, I think was really just taking a page right out of Trump's talking points, which suggested to me that you know, he's just another member of the political team as opposed to this independent, objective prosecutor, lawyer for the people. Instead, he sounded more like a lawyer for Trump. And I, I thought in that way he really diminished his message and, and could have been far more effective if he had used the language that Robert Mueller used. As always, again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Let's go to Mark in Rochester. Mark, welcome hey, to Detroit. Hey, great show today. today. Thanks. Uh, I just wanted to say that, you know, I'm a Democrat. I'm just going to put that out there. <laughs> and um, I think it is time to move on from uh, the report. Because when I look at the, you know, 2018 elections, you know, health care is what got the wins for mm. the Democrats. Mm. And, you know, they weren't talking about Trump. Now, on the flip side of it, I find it a little discerning. 
that the uh, most powerful man of the free world was duped. <laughs> and I think he was played by the Russians. And that's, that's what I think is hmm. the scary part is, you know, he was played by another country and he didn't know it. And this guy's in charge of the United States of America. Hmm. <laughs> so there's a little fear factor going there. Wow. Wow. Mark, I really appreciate the call. Uh, and the comments. Uh, let's quickly go to Sammy in Dearborn, who's got an opposite kind of take on this. Sammy, welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning. Thanks. Yeah. It's a very good show indeed. Thanks. Um, and I did have uh, a take on it. Um, I think we should absolutely, um, you know, not let this go. And I, I tend to wonder, are we just playing with semantics here? Uh, you know, words like collusion, conspiracy, I mean, we all know that the Russians were involved in some capacity. And, uh, you know, the fact that uh, Trump is so close to a government which is, you know, very openly hostile to us, um, you know, since the Cold War, Mm -hmm. um, I think there's a lot of questions and I think there needs to be a lot more investigation. Hmm. Uh, Sammy, I appreciate uh, your take. As well. So, Barb, we've got the two poles, I think, of American opinion there on these two calls. Uh, One says it's time to move on, talk about some other things. Democrats have lots of issues they can use to try to defeat the president next year. Sammy says, no, we still have questions that need uh, answering. Uh, Going forward, uh, what do you expect that we'll see? Is this is this over or are we going to still live through it? Yeah, you know, I don't know the, the more political question, and I think that'll be for members of Congress to decide whether they want to start talking about kitchen table issues like health care and other things or, or continue to focus on this. But I do think that, uh, to Sammy's point, there is value and, and it's important to look into this as a counterintelligence and national security matter. We've got another election coming in 2020. We can bet that the Russians are going to be at it again, and we need to learn some lessons from this. What were their tactics? How can we detect them, and how can we disrupt them? How can we educate candidates to recognize them when they're approached and to report those overtures when they're approached? I think there's a lot of things that comes through in the um, Mueller report. One of them is that Trump was operating his campaign and his presidency the way he operated his business. Mm. And it's very different. I'm always suspicious of people who say, I'm going to run government like a business. It's not a business. It's you have very different obligations when you are uh, holding the public trust. And so one of those is if someone offers you a, an advantage, you need to be skeptical about it. And, uh, you know, if, if it's Russia offering you dirt on your adversary, your, your next move should be to run to the FBI not to figure out, you know, uh, that you love it and how you can use it uh, to your own advantage. So I think there are a lot of lessons to be learned. So I think from that perspective, we need to spend some time, um, as I know the, uh, intelligence, the House Intelligence Committee plans to, to understand the threat, to make sure that we can uh, protect our country and build some resilience against it. Hmm. Uh, let's go back to the phones here quickly. Mike and Gross Point, I've got about a minute left, Mike, but uh, I wanted to get your question in here. Hey, there was definitely some collusion with the Russians. Mr. Steele wrote a dossier that was very salacious that started this whole investigation. Uh, It appears that the FBI planted that information. Do you suspect there will be an investigation of those who set this whole thing up? Hmm. Great question, uh, Mike. Go ahead, Barb. 
There is an inspector general investigation of the Steele dossier, but if you read the report, the investigation began when George Papadopoulos, mm-hmm. Trump advisor, told an Australian diplomat that he had had he had access to Hillary Clinton's emails. And so the idea that this started with the dossier or that it was somehow a setup for the FBI just does not ring true if you read the report. But nonetheless, I, the inspector general is looking at the dossier to try to determine how that was used and uh, whether it's credible. Okay, Barb McQuaid, law professor at the University of Michigan and former U.S. attorney for the Eastern District of Michigan. It's always great to have you with us here on Detroit Today. Thanks very much, Stephen. Talk with you soon. Okay, that's going to do it for us this week. I'll be back on Monday. I hope you will too. Also remember, next Thursday, April 25th, from 6 to 8 at Whiskey 6 in Gross Point, we're going to host a Smart Politics Happy Hour. Nancy Derringer from Deadline Detroit and Sandra Soboda of Great Lakes Now are going to join me as you lead the conversation about the issues that matter the most to you. And we'll take your concerns with us when we go up to Mackinac Island for the Mackinac Policy Conference at the end of May. We'll put them to the elected officials and the policymakers who are gathered there. Mark your calendar, April 25th at Whiskey 6 from 6 to 8 p.m. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's public radio station, a community service of Wayne State University. I'll be back on Monday. I hope you will, too. We'll talk more then.